For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I was 16 years old. I had just gotten my driver's license and gone through all the tests and all the waiting period to come to the point where I could drive for the first time finally on my own, independent, that moment that you've been waiting for your, your whole life up to that point. And uh, so I, I was driving my girlfriend out to a friend's house in the country and I dropped her off. And there I was, alone in my car, legally allowed to drive. And so I remember pulling out of the driveway and taking a left and, and waving goodbye as she and a bunch of her other friends were, were waving, you know, big waves in the window. And uh, I thought, yeah, they're very excited for me too. Uh, and I remember cranking up the music and just having this independent moment with me behind the wheel of the car that I was finally feeling like an adult. And I drove and I drove and... Eventually, I started to go, I don't know that I recognize this, but nonetheless, I know that I'm headed in the right way, and eventually I'll get home, and kept driving, and, oh, I, oh, this looks different. I don't know where I am, but if I just keep going, I'm sure that eventually I'll get into town. Well, it got to the point where eventually, eventually I ended up on a dirt road, and I, I, I distinctly remember not coming in on a dirt road, uh, and there was a lighthouse, uh, <laughs> and... And I began to really question where I was, and so I turned around and eventually asked for directions, and they made no sense, but I, <coughs> I got home, uh, sort of following this, this gas station direction. And my mom was at the door when I came home, and she had opened the door, and she was laughing. Uh, and she had sort of said, hey, your, your girlfriend called, and uh, she said that uh, you turned the wrong way out of the driveway, and that you were headed towards Nova Scotia, uh, and that you might be late for dinner. Uh, and uh, it, it's just funny for me to think that I, I fully thought that I was headed in the right direction, even though I absolutely wasn't. Um, and how often that can happen in our lives where we choose a direction or we choose something and we, we fully believe it with all of our hearts, but it's absolutely dead wrong. So uh, we pick up the text here in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, starting in uh, sixteen thirteen. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? Son of Man was just a, a, a term that Jesus used to describe himself, and there's lots of theological reasons for that we don't need to get into right now. Um, but the disciples had been in amongst the crowds, in amongst the people. They'd been doing healings and, and teaching. So Jesus says, who do the people say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Um, there, there's sort of this growing sort of understanding of Jesus. And some people think uh, that, that he is a, a spiritual guru, um, a little bit perhaps like, like John the Baptist or, uh, you know, like other spiritual gurus of other times. Some people think that's who Jesus is. And some people think that he's a prophet of doom. Uh, that's the Jeremiah reference, that he's, he's, he's foretelling the coming destruction. Uh, some people believe that he is a moral teacher, uh, and he's teaching, you know, like in the Sermon on the Mount of how to live, and, and that's who he is. So there's different understandings of who Jesus is. Uh, then he, that's Jesus, said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, that word Christ is not Jesus' last name. It is uh, a, a term that means the anointed one, the chosen one. Uh, in Hebrew, the Messiah, God's anointed chosen one. You, Jesus, are the one that we've been waiting for, uh, the, son of the, the son of the living God. And so Peter, Peter is understanding the divinity of Jesus. 
that that for him is starting to click. Uh, And for the disciples, that's sort of an ongoing process. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Um, There's a theological truth there that we can't confess that Jesus is Lord. We can't see him truly for who he is unless God first does a work in our lives. It's called regeneration. Um, And so the Spirit first has to give us these hearts of flesh so that we can actually see Jesus for who he is. Um, We see that as well in John 3 with Nicodemus. Um, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, That's an oft-debated verse. Um, Peter's name in Aramaic was Cephas. Cephas means uh, rock. Uh, Translated into Greek, that word is Petros. Petros is Greek for rock. Petros is where we get Peter from. Um, So Jesus says, you are Peter, right? You are Cephas, you are rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Some people think that means Jesus is talking specifically about Peter, and that Peter is the authority and the leader of the church, and that's where we get this idea of the papal system, the pope. The pope is sort of the extension of Peter, where the authority of the church rests. That's where it comes from in this verse. Uh, Some people say that Jesus says, uh, you, Peter, are the rock, are, are, are a rock, but upon this rock, and he's pointing at himself, upon this rock, himself, Jesus, I will build my church. You can sort of see that there's different ways of looking at this verse. Um, I actually tend to um, uh, tend to go in a slightly different direction, also a very common interpretation, which is uh, that, that you are Peter, you are, you are rock, and upon this rock, the, the rock being the confession of faith, the confession that Jesus is the Lord, that he is the Christ, he is the anointed one, that that is the rock upon which Jesus will build the church. Um, and so there's, there's different ways of, of interpreting it. But um, at the end of the day, uh, what's really going on here is irony. Because when you look at Peter's character, he is not rock-like. He is impulsive. He is rash. Uh, he's kind of all over the place. There's nothing about Peter that screams solid like a rock. Uh, he's all over the place. So there's an irony there as well, too. Um, and, and when Jesus says the gates of hell will not overcome the kingdom, gates are defensive. And he's saying the kingdom of God is going to go out. The kingdom of God is not protective. It doesn't sit back and try and repel the advances of the enemy. Instead, no, the kingdom is to go out and the gates of hell, the gates of the enemy, of the darkness, will not withstand the onslaught of the kingdom. Verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Uh, again, this verse is often misunderstood. It's, it's a little cryptic. Um, but I think what he's saying is that he's giving the disciples the, the truth of the gospel. And, and it's that truth, that power. When he leaves, they're the, the ministers of the, the gospel, of the ambassadors of it. They're the ones who proclaim the truth that will set people free. That in some ways they have the keys of what they do with that. If they preach it well, if they, if they, if they do it with ambition, if they drive out and they share it, then they have the keys to be able to set people free. Um, but there's also the weight of this binding, to bind people. And, and I think maybe what Jesus is saying is, listen, if you don't preach, if you don't go into all nations, if you don't tell someone about Jesus and the truth of the gospel, then they are bound in their sin. And so there's a responsibility and a weight there as well. 
And he tells them not to tell anyone because uh, he wants to continue to, to, to preach. He wants to continue to pour into them, to love them, to guide them before you know, the, the, the coming wrath of the Pharisees really hits him. Uh, when, when it's proclaimed that Jesus is the anointed one, that's when really uh, the pressure comes on and, and he's headed towards the cross for sure. So he's trying to delay that a bit. Uh, from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he, that's Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but things of man." So it's interesting, again, there's an irony that Peter goes from confessing that Jesus is the Christ and being called the rock to now Jesus is saying, no, Jesus, you don't need to go to the cross. That's not you. Um, and, and, and Jesus calls him Satan. So he goes from you know, being uh, applauded to then being condemned. And he goes from being the rock to now being a stumbling block where Peter both understands some of the truth of who Jesus is but not the full measure of what that means. He doesn't realize it means the cross. He still thinks it means they're going to sit in thrones in the temple and rule over people and, and the Gentiles are going to get crushed or whatever that, whatever that is. Then Jesus told, told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Forever would lose his, uh, but for, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory, uh, the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So Jesus uh, is here challenging the, the misunderstanding of it's an earthly kingdom completely, that it's about power, it's about rule, and Jesus says, no, it's not about that, that you need to pick up your cross, that it's about dying to yourself and living for a different kingdom that's not here, and it's not about filling your life with comfort and power and prestige and, and being applauded here and now, it's about eternity and surrendering those things. Um, and, and this verse at the end about um, some will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, Lots of debate on that verse as well. Best interpretation I can come up with is um, he's talking about post-Pentecost. So after the resurrection, after the Spirit comes uh, in power upon uh, the disciples in Acts, they go out and they begin to see these amazing gains where the Spirit of God is bringing just scores of people, hundreds and thousands of people to faith that there's this power of the kingdom that's beginning to really get momentum. And I think that's what he's saying is that, that some of you here um, won't die before you see um, before you see that, that, that real thrust of the kingdom, when, when the Spirit comes upon you and you see the kingdom start to take off. Um, there's a real little debate in academic circles uh, about the historical Jesus versus the Jesus of faith. And, uh, and there's this debate of, of maybe, maybe the disciples got Jesus wrong and, and, and using psychology and, and sociology and, uh, and, and history, uh, there, there's this, this group of scholars who are trying to say, no, the Bible has gotten it wrong. We can figure out who the real Jesus is using history and, and cutting through some of the things and, 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 and carving out some of the, the miracles and the resurrection and the divinity and, and figure out who Jesus really was. And and it, it, in some ways, it comes right back to this question of who do you say that Jesus is? Because uh, modern day academics, right, and, and more the secular side, view Jesus as a moral teacher, perhaps a prophet, 
a spiritual guru. They don't view him as God. They, they dismiss that. They want to cut it out. Uh, and there's an arrogance to that. And so it really comes back to the most important question that any of us will answer. And I believe it. it's the same question that we're going to answer someday when we stand before Jesus. In eternity, we're going to stand before Jesus. And, and, and it's not a matter of look at all the great things I've done and look at all the money I've given and look at all the Sundays I've spent in church. The primary question, I believe, is the same question that Jesus asks Peter. And that is, who do you say that I am? And there's one answer. It's a path. Just like, you know, we can assume that turning left out of the driveway puts me in the direction I want to go. And we can believe that with all of our hearts. It doesn't make it the right direction. The Bible comes at us time and time again to tell us that Jesus is the one that this text is written about, that Jesus has inspired this, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except by Him, and He is the path, He is the gate, He is the door, and it comes to this question of who do you say that I am? And there are people who will continue to say He was just a spiritual guru, or He was just a moral teacher, he was just a guy in history who was misunderstood. And those are each paths that people seem to be taking. But the only path that leads to life and life abundant is to bow our knee and say that Jesus is Lord. And it's the question that we'll all answer someday when we stand before him. Who do you say that he is? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us enough to make a way. Jesus, thank you that you, uh, you've given us your word to show us who you are and what the way is and help us to bow our knee, to follow you, to pick your direction, the direction, as opposed to our own. And no matter how sincerely we might believe that our direction is correct, God, help us instead to see the truth of your way, the truth of you, and that we would call you Christ, the Son of God, God himself, our Savior and our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you. Hope you have a great day. Talk to you soon.